What is he like, the Holy Spirit? What is his personality? Important to understand. A, he is like an artist. He's very creative. Holy Spirit is very creative. That's why Christians should be creative. If Christians, after they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they stop thinking, they stop using the brain, they're not good for anything except fasting and prayer, there's something wrong. Because he's a creative spirit. See, during the Renaissance, which came out of the Reformation, because of the revival of the Word and the Spirit all over Europe, it sparked a revival of art. Buildings, signs, paintings, right? Music, it sparked that. It sparked from the Gospel. Christians should be the most productive, fruitful people on the earth. God said, be fruitful and multiply. But Christians don't want to work many times. I'm talking about Naga Christians. Huh? I don't know about Punjab or Manipur. But Naga Christians don't want to work. God will provide everything. Right? God will provide everything. Hey, you have to work, right? No, it's okay. God will provide everything. Have you seen, ever seen any millionaire become a millionaire just by praying? Huh? Go into the Bible, so you will not find any single millionaire who became a millionaire by praying. But in Nagaland, many people are expecting that when they fast enough, pray enough, one day Jesus will come on a horseback and knock on the door and say, See, you've been praying so long. I have this, you know, box of 10 crores of rupees. Throw it outside the door and Jesus will ride on a horse back to heaven. <laughs> that has never happened to anyone. And it's not going to happen. Because all the money God has already created is here on this earth. All of King Solomon's gold is here on the earth. It's just in other people's hands right now. So, you're not going to become a millionaire just by praying and not doing anything. You have to use the creativity the Holy Spirit gives. In business, it gives creativity. In ministry, it gives creativity, right? The first time the Holy Spirit filled someone in the Bible. Do you know where it was? Exodus chapter 31, verse 1 to 5. I have chosen Bezalel. The Spirit of God. Okay. I have filled him. With the Spirit of God. I have filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, right? Go ahead. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Ah. See. Charismatics think filled with the Spirit of God. Healing, deliverance. That's only we think, right? <laughs> I fill him with the Spirit of God. And what's the first word mentioned? With wisdom. Amen. Can you see that? This is the first time in the Bible someone being filled with the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And it's not power, it's not healing, it's not casting out demons. What is it? It's creativity. To design their furniture in the tabernacle of Moses. To define, to, to design and to create the articles there. Creativity. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit has come to make you smart. I always believe Christians should be smarter after they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some people stop thinking after they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wonder why. No more creativity, no more leadership. It's like something wrong in the theology. Of what they expect from the Holy Spirit. See, if you're only thinking power, 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 you're very narrow minded. 
The power of God is not only in power. In wisdom, there's power. The spirit of wisdom and might rested on Jesus. See, David conquered with power. Solomon ruled with wisdom. Who was richer? Solomon. Who had more glory? Solomon. It's by wisdom the house of God is built. Not power. So wisdom is powerful. So we have to know what is required when. And sometimes when you're counseling for marriage, they don't need power, they need wisdom there. But you can't go and just bind every house having marriage problems. I bind evil spirit, go bind evil spirit. Everywhere we go, Christians, binding, 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 binding. (laughs) And people are still bound. (laughs) Because in their hearts, they haven't had the wisdom of God that brings the key to their deliverance. Right? See, when you talk about prosperity, biblical prosperity, it's more than just binding the spirit of poverty and casting it out. There's a wisdom from God. Right? The wisdom in the Word. How we use our finances. About how we use the seed, how we sow, about a generosity. See, all of that releases God's grace and favor upon our lives. But sometimes Christians, especially charismatic, are too demon conscious rather than knowing that Satan has no power. If you just walk by faith in the word of God, by the leading of the Spirit, he has no power. But we have made it too simple, right? Right? If we just bind, everything will be fine. It's not that all the time. Because the Holy Spirit has come to give you wisdom. Wisdom. You see, even in the times when Israel won the battle against the enemies, they received counsel. Counsel from God. The prophet said, do this. Do that. The Holy Spirit gave them wisdom. What to do. And when they followed the wisdom of God, then they experienced the power of God. Okay? So, he is like an artist. He is like an artist. He is creative. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then you are creative in the area he has called you. Number two, he is like a dove. He is like a dove, which means he is very gentle. He is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon people. He's a gentleman. He's the evil spirit who forces people to do things. The Holy Spirit never forces. Okay? So even when you're praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit will not force you to pray in tongues. You have to yield, open your mouth, and pray by faith. What words He has given to you, right? Some people think that the Holy Spirit will just overtake you and then He will move your tongue by yourself like that. And that's why they don't yield to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes some people say, oh, I couldn't help it. The Holy Spirit said, I couldn't help it. And then they do the weird things. See, Paul said, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means if the Holy Spirit gives you a prophecy right now, a vision and a dream, he's not compelling you that you have to say it now. Because I've seen this in many revival meetings. People will come to the pulpit and say, I have to say, I've heard people say that. Oh my gosh. That's not the nature of the Holy Spirit. He's not someone who's putting a gun in your head and threatening you. You have to say now. See, he's a gentle. That means you can receive a word and still be asking, Okay, Lord, when do I share it? Give me the wisdom. Give me the right time to share this word. It's like, ah, 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 
my God. They're yielding to the wrong spirit. Or they have not been taught. They have not been taught that you can wait. And that's where the fear comes. Because they have not been taught. They think that they have to say the fear comes. And they yield to the fear when they have received the good in their heart. And they confuse the people. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. That means you can receive a word. And then you can pray for the right time to release it. Whether it's a personal word for him or for the whole congregation. There's a right time. So it's not like he's forcing. He's gentle. He's a gentle spirit. Amen. He's like a dove. If right now, the dove came and sit on you, what are you conscious of? The dove. Yeah. I never tell you, go to the bathroom. <laughs> You'll be thinking of the dove, right? You don't want to do anything quickly to disturb him. Ah. So now you will live every day conscious of the dove. So how am I supposed to be led by the Spirit? Be conscious of a very gentle being. Who is in you, who is on you. Right? So when you're talking to people, and you're getting a little irritated, and you want to say it, be conscious of the dove. Because sometimes when we're not conscious of him, we start shouting at one another. If you're conscious of the Holy Spirit, he will show you how to behave. How to talk. What to say. I've been in weddings where the Holy Spirit has taught me where to sit. Whom to go and shake hands. Not all the time because not all the time am I in that zone. But in the times when I've been so aware that God's grace is on me. I'm conscious of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, now go and meet that person. Shake hands with him. Sit in this place. And when I just obey those things, I tell you, suddenly somehow some favor comes. Some people see me. They recognize me. Now, like, oh, I forgot I was supposed to give you this. You know, things like that. Oh, I'm supposed to invite you. See, just being aware of the Holy Spirit. Initially, your first reaction is always the flesh. Yes or no? Yeah. The flesh is faster than the spirit. Ishmael came before Isaac. Isaac is from the spirit. Ishmael is from the flesh. The flesh always wants to go faster and quicker and stronger. But the spirit is sure. What is from the Holy Spirit is sure. It will be bigger and better than the flesh. So usually, even in your own lives, you will find that sometimes your first reaction is always from the flesh. But if you learn to pull back and be conscious of the Spirit, you will get the right words to say at the right time also. Amen. He is like a dove. He is gentle. Gentle. So when we say, are you ready now to receive? Let's be Sensitive to him. Don't hurry it. Because I've noticed sometimes we live in a very fast culture. We want the Holy Spirit to impart in five minutes. Sometimes it takes time, right? 30 minutes. Because your mind, your feelings are all distracted. That's why when we have prayer times and when we have times like this, it's good to just be patient, be waiting on the Lord. But sometimes the Holy Spirit fill me. One minute, nothing is happening. You just sit down. Start laying on the phone. Because we want everything so quick. He's gentle. That means he works. There's different waves. Especially when you try to understand the anointing. Sometimes the anointing comes in waves. Even when the Spirit of God moves in the service. There'll be like a wave that flows. People are all worshiping, crying. 
laughing in the spirit. And then they begin to subside. And when it's subsiding, most people usually think he's gone. Now maybe the service can end. But if you learn to sit in his presence, he will come again with a bigger wave. And if you learn to just be patient and be reverent to his presence, he will come in a bigger wave. So you have to learn to just be waiting, be patient. Have you ever been with someone very gentle? Very irritating, right? Sometimes they're very slow. <laughs> you want to just go fast, 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 fast. So with the Holy Spirit, you have to learn to be patient. Amen. He is like water. Like water. He's a spring of living water within you. And the one thing about water is that water is always moving. Do you know that? It's always moving. Right? See, to understand the Holy Spirit, you have to understand this word, movement. Movement. The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, the Spirit of God was moving over the waters of the deep. The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, the principle of first mention in hermeneutics is important in what context the first time it is mentioned. The first time man is mentioned in the image of God. Right? So first time Holy Spirit is, movement, uh, is mentioned, movement. Movement. So the Holy Spirit creates movement. Movement. Holy Spirit is always a moving spirit. That's why he's like water. He's like fire. Fire is always moving. Right? So we have to be sensitive. He's like wind. What is wind? Wind is always moving. Even right now in this room, you feel like there's no wind, but there's wind here. It's moving. Could be gentle. Could be fast. When it's fast, then we all are sensitive to it. But the wind here is moving anyway. So the Holy Spirit is always moving. That means we have to always pay attention to the Spirit in your heart. In your quiet times. Always be listening to Him. Be paying attention. Because if you do that, He will always take you someplace else. See, if you want to create movement in your life, it's something the Lord showed me. Sometimes your life is stuck, right? Not moving anywhere. Yes or no? So if you want to create movement in your life, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Because if you get into the Spirit and you're praying and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you spend time with the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen to your life? He's going to move your life. Your life is going to move. Your ministry is going to move. Your career is going to move. Amen. He's like a counselor. Counselor is someone who comes beside you to advise you. So listen to him. Counselor. This is where the word of wisdom in the gifts of the Spirit is seen. Counsel. Counsel. Kings rule by counsel. You are a king, aren't you? Yes. How will you rule and reign in life? Ah. You thought there was just binding, binding everywhere you go, right? You go to Calcutta, you bind all evil spirit in Calcutta. <laughs> yes, you do that also, but... Even the binding should come through the counsel of the Spirit. See, there are people who have used the teaching of the authority without the counsel of the Holy Spirit. And they have actually gone to certain places which are known as demonic strongholds. The certain people I know from Singapore, they got this teaching about the authority of God. So they went to Berlin. Berlin is, there is a museum where there is a throne. And the throne is called the throne of Satan. Okay. 
So they went there and they did spiritual warfare. Bind the They came back to their hotel room and when they were undressing, they found knife wounds all over their body. See, they were doing things without the counsel of God. And so there was a door open in the spirit for oppression to be released upon their lives. It comes by the counsel of God. The Holy Spirit will counsel you. Amen. Hallelujah. So counsel means the advice, the leading, the word of wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives. In the book of Acts, there was a lady, a servant girl, who walked around behind Paul saying, these servants are, these men are servants of the Most High God, right? It happened for many days. But Paul did not even know that it was from a wrong spirit. Spirit of divination. These men are servants of the Most High God. It was only when the Holy Spirit revealed to him and he understood this is from a wrong spirit, he took authority over it and he cast it out from the woman. So you cannot just take authority over a land, over a country and just bind and cast out. It has to be by the leading of the Spirit. Now, over your own personal life, you have authority. Over your mind, your thoughts, your own body, you have authority. Over your family, you have authority as the father of the home. Over the church, you have authority. What I'm talking about Different realms of authority. City, state, and all that. Okay, this is where spiritual warfare has gotten wrong in the past. And so, the movement of spiritual warfare, you know, because we do not wrestle with principalities and powers in the heavenly places, this says, right? So, they would hire helicopters and go higher. You know that people who did that? They would rent helicopter and say, if you go higher and pray up there, we will pull down the stronghold. So they would rent helicopters and go and pray in tongues. They would go into cities, go into skyscrapers on the top and pray in tongues to do spiritual warfare. And it was wrong. Wrong teachings. Wrong beliefs. And many of those people ended up with their marriages destroyed, getting sick when they should not be. Because they were doing it without the covering of God. Without the protection of God. So he's a spirit of counsel. When we do spiritual warfare in regions and states, very important. Do it with the leading of God. Otherwise, you open yourself up for backlash. Amen. Hallelujah. He is like fire. Holy and pure. He consumes everything in our lives that is not of God. So many times, revival comes like a fire. Revival comes like a flood. He is like oil. To anoint means to rub with oil. To anoint means to consecrate, to set apart. And so God anoints us with His Holy Spirit to set us apart. Okay. Oil also is something they used to put on the head to protect from flies in those days. Right? Because when your head, because, you know, it's not like today we have so much hygiene, water, we have so many products. In those days, they didn't have those products like we do. Deodorant and, you know. So, and probably they didn't wash as often as we do. So, sometimes smells, right? Now, when you have smelly hair, sometimes flies come, right? Have you noticed that? Flies are attracted to you. <laughs> right? Flies are attracted. See, flies are always hanging around the dustbin. Because the dustbin is dirty. So, sometimes you go, 
and the flag goes out of the window. After five minutes, come back again. So the same dustbin, right? So you go like this. It'll go away. After five minutes, come in, right? So what do you do? You take the dustbin, you go and throw away all the dirt, and you wash it and keep it. The flag comes or not? No. That's what we did for Sozo with you guys. Last week, what were we doing? We were trying to clean you up on the inside. Why? Because if you're cleaned up on the inside, then the disturbance doesn't come out. See, the fly is the evil spirits. Every night, you can't sleep. Because every night, you're thinking about, oh, that person, he cheated me. Oh, that person, he abused me. You can't sleep because you're always thinking about, right? Have you ever been hurt and you couldn't sleep because you're thinking of what they said? Huh? You know what's that? That's called the dirt in your dustbin. You can't sleep because your dustbin, your heart is angry, offended, and hurt, and just contaminated. So when you're sleeping, and you're thinking and tossing in bed, your emotions, the beep is going on, 3 a.m. already. What's that? That's a fly disturbing you the whole night. So what happens? You go to church and the pastor says, forgive, let go. So you forgive. When you're forgiving, there's a cleansing happening. At night you sleep well. Why? Because the flies are not attractive to you anymore. So that's why you need healing in the heart. And that's why you need to constantly guard your heart. Because what happens is we get constipated from time to time. (laughs) Right? That's why it's always good to Keep forgiving people. Keep forgiving people. Keep forgiving people. Why? You keep your intestines clean. (laughs) No constipation. (laughs) Right? In the same way, you see, when you put oil on your head, it's clean. Right? Flies don't come. Right? So, the anointing, when you're always full of the Spirit, when you're always full of the Spirit, it's like a protection from the disturbing evil spirits. Wrong thoughts, wrong feelings. You know, just oppression. So the filling of the Spirit, when you're always staying full of the Spirit, is like a garment of glory that you're wearing. Because the enemy is always trying to shoot fiery arrows, right? Fiery darts. That's what they use, isn't it? It's a literal fiery dart. Did you know that? Take up the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the Wicked one. Okay, is it a literal fiery dart? No, what does the devil use? Fiery darts. What's a fiery dart? Huh? Exactly. What's a fiery dart? How did Satan come and burn Adam and Eve's house? Thoughts. Lies. Suggestion. But in the spirit, it's like a fiery dart. It's a thought which has fire attached to it that can burn your life down if you let it lodge in your mind. Right? So the enemy's attacks are always thoughts, thoughts. Sometimes you're just walking, suddenly a thought comes, right? I hate that person. Have you ever thought that? Where did it come from? It's not you. Someone was waiting in the corner. You're walking on the street. I don't like this person, no. It just came, right? Have you ever felt like that? That's not you. Someone was waiting. Phew, fiery dart. Now, if you took that, if you take it, 
If you take it, because, wait a minute, no, no, it's not me. And you just ignore it, it loses its power. But if you take it, if you take it, like people have gone to church at times, and in the middle of praying, a fiery dart came. You have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And they took that thought. And when they took that thought, it burned their mind. They lost their minds because they thought they blasphemed the Holy Spirit and in which there is no forgiveness. Amen. So, when you have the shield, the glory, the presence of God, the fiery darts cannot get to us. Okay? He's like a seal. Okay? The seal of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says about us. He's like the wind, which means he's unpredictable. We have to know where the wind is blowing. The children who are born of God are like the wind. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. He is born of the Spirit, not like the wind. That means at times we are unpredictable when we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. He is joyful. The Holy Spirit is a joyful spirit. Romans 14, 7. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Some people think that God is against joy and laughter. If there's joy in the church, it's, oh, it's unholy. If people laugh in church, people get so nervous. Right? Especially in our traditional churches. See, there's a place for silence. Silence is good. Joy is also good. Right? There are different things that happen in heaven. There are times we are still before Him, is God. There are times everyone is worshipping Him. It is loud. The Bible says, the angels shouted. The angels cried. The angels did not sing, holy, 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 we think angels are singing holy, holy, holy. No, the book of Isaiah says the angels cry. Holy, holy. Right? So in the presence of God, at times it's very noisy. At times it's full of joy. At times it's silent. All of that is good. But if we are only stuck to one thing, you must be silent. You must be silent. And silence is valued above all other things. We are going to create a very stiff atmosphere in church where people are not free to experience every different expression of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, who are the ones who are very scared to speak in front of the masters? Slaves. Children are not. Sons are not. See, when we were kids, when, when we had kids, they were toddlers, and we were having meeting in our own office, our kids would just run, talk to us, pull us away from the meeting. They were just natural with us. They felt comfortable. The staff were the ones who were afraid to speak. <laughs> but the children were like, yeah. We are children. We are not staff. We are not servants of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, the Holy Spirit is a joyful spirit. What are his job descriptions? Let's look at that. The job descriptions of the Holy Spirit. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts the church of righteousness. And he convicts us that Satan has been judged. Sin has been judged. It's in John chapter 16 verse 8 to 10. Later on you can follow it on your phone. Alright. So even the Holy Spirit was involved in your salvation. Remember I told you the parable of the lady who lost the coin? 
So she shone the light to look for the coin. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. He is the one who shone the light in your heart. Even before you knew the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, God loved the world. So he made the plan of salvation. And God sent the Son to die on the cross. So now, God sends the Holy Spirit to bring you into the experience of salvation. The Trinity is always involved in your salvation. God loves you, and so God sends the Son to die for you. Now God sends the Holy Spirit, not only when you believe, even before you believe, the Holy Spirit came and prepared your heart and revealed to you about Jesus Christ and also that you are a sinner. That you are precious to God. So even before you accepted Christ, God was shining His light, right? God was shining His light. And then one day you came to the conclusion, wait, Jesus is God, and you accepted Him. The moment you accepted Him, bang, the Holy Spirit made you a new creation. You're born of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is involved in your born-again experience. He's the unseen agent in your salvation. He convicted you. Of sin. Convicted you. Jesus is the son of God. Then he convicted you. If you believe. You will receive. Hallelujah. B. He teaches us. He's our teacher. Now how does he teach you? See. Some of you are expecting the Holy Spirit to come like a classroom teacher. And speak to you. And teach you. No. The Holy Spirit teaches you here. As the teacher teaches you from here. Right? As the pastor teaches you from the pulpit, the Holy Spirit is teaching you here. See, many people are trying to understand God with their eyes, with their ears, with the mind. Whereas God wants to reveal Himself to us here by the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that's why we are on different wavelengths. We are on different wavelengths. Revelation comes in your heart. One of the best ways to enter into that realm is by praying in tongues. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking unto God. What? Mysteries. That's what we mean by revelation. You will know and you 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 know here. How many of you know you're going to go to heaven when you die? How do you know? Anyone seen the ticket? Huh? Anyone been to heaven before? How do you know? If I tell you, no, you're not going. Would it be convincing to you? No, you know here. You know and you know and you know. You have a knower here. That knower is the place where the Holy Spirit teaches you. Amen. Have you ever heard a message for the first time and your mind is like, ah, but your heart is saying, yes, yes, yeah. Ever experienced that? That's the Holy Spirit teaching you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. So you have an anointing. Okay. Look at verse 27. Where is this anointing? But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. Referring to the Holy Spirit because Jesus says He will abide in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Now this does not mean you don't need teachers. Because in other parts of the Bible, 
God says you need apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers over your life. You need leaders over your life, right? But then the Bible also says you have an anointing within you. So God has given you a system of check and balances. God has given you a grace in your heart, which is the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit comes with an anointing that can help you to discern and test whether this prophecy is from God, whether this person he's teaching is from God or not, whether this message is from the Bible. So you need teachers over your life. You will always need teachers. But you also have an anointing so that you are not listening to everything he says without using your own brain. That's how cults develop. Amen. See, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, Let the prophets prophesy and let everyone judge. You should judge the word you receive. Now, judge doesn't always mean bad, bad, negative, negative. No, judge means to, judge means to do this. Ah, this is lighter, this is heavier. Judge, right? So judge means, hmm, this is from God, this is not from God. Ah, this is right, this is not right. That's what the word judge means. So God wants you to judge the word. Right? So God has given you grace. Have you ever heard someone preach and inside? Yes. You can feel the anointing. You can feel the joy of the Lord. That's the anointing within you affirming to you. This message is from God. But have you ever been to a conference where ah, you can't get anything? I've been to some of those conferences where world famous people were speaking, but my mind was blank, my heart was blank. I don't understand why. Only after some years passed by, I understood God did not want me to get that message. Amen. Hallelujah. He intercedes for us, He gives us revelation of Jesus, He gives us revelation of the Father, He empowers the believer for service, He anoints the believer for service. Now, when we say He intercedes for us, we have to preach it properly. Okay? Because if the Holy Spirit is praying for you right now, right? If the Holy Spirit is interceding for every Christian, right? Yes or no? Then why are some Christians not growing? Why are they backsliding? The Holy Spirit's prayer is not working or what? Yes or no? See, the Bible says, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit makes intercession for us. Okay, so if the Spirit is making intercession for every Christian, why are some Christians more blessed than the others? Why are some Christians rapidly growing when some Christians not growing at all? Why are some Christians backsliding? Ah, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of. Okay. How does this happen? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who intercedes for you. The word intercede means to come on your behalf. To speak on your behalf. Right? To be your mediator. Okay. But if. He was always doing that perfectly. All of us should just automatically be growing, right? So it means that it is not just happening automatically. There's a divine operation that we must participate with. He makes intercessions according to groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay. 
Now, we know the Holy Spirit does not have a physical tongue. Does he have a tongue? He doesn't have a tongue. Who has a tongue? You have a tongue. So who speaks in tongues? You speak in tongues, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the utterance. Ah, but who speaks? We speak, but the Holy Spirit gives us the utterance. Groanings which cannot be uttered. Who utters those groanings? Us. Or someone on our behalf. Someone on whom the Holy Spirit has come. And they're interceding with groanings for our behalf. There are different levels of intercession also. Some are deep intercessions where it's like you're weeping for that person. Have you ever experienced that? It doesn't happen all the time, right? Every time you pray for someone who's lost, do you feel like weeping? No. But there are times the Holy Spirit comes and from deep within you, you intercede, right? That's a different level of intercession. So, when we pray, that's the time the Holy Spirit is also activated to intercede for us. Because He prays for us through our prayers. So, when does the Holy Spirit intercede for me? When I open my mouth and I... Because every word is coming from the Spirit. It's not from me. Every word is from the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is praying from my spirit to the Father. Because when I pray in tongues, what does the Bible say? I speak to God and not to men. But is it me speaking or is it the Holy Spirit within me supplying the words so that I can speak to my Father? The Holy Spirit supplies the words, right? So when I pray in tongues is when the Holy Spirit's ministry of intercession is activated. Amen. And He's a perfect prayer warrior, I tell you. He never sleeps. Sometimes your prayer warriors also sleep. Pastor, please pray for me. Sure, sure, I'll pray for you. After five minutes, you're also sleeping. <laughs> but he never sleeps. So get him to start moving in your life. How? Pray in tongues. And pray in tongues a lot. Pray in tongues a lot. A lot. One hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, walking on the street, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. You're just praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit will begin to move in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. All true believers have the Holy Spirit in them. But not every believer has the Holy Spirit upon them. The baptism of the Spirit. And that's something we have to receive. And something we have to continually keep on receiving. But there's another thing called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Which is to be set apart for some specific purpose. For example, Samson was anointed to be a judge. David was anointed to be a king. Zachariah was anointed to be a prophet. Jesus was anointed for his ministry. So there's a specific anointing. And at the end of this week, we want to also pray for you all to receive impartation. Alright? So that comes even from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. 
If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.